So Josh, my old friend, welcome to the first episode of the Fit Dad Philosophy Podcast. I'm pretty sure the listeners are kind of going, what's up with this guy? He's like uh, changing his show names like he changes his underwear, or at least I hope. Um, so now Three we're times in a couple of years, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah, welcome to the first show. Um, for those that are listening, thanks for joining us. Uh, really stoked to be back on the microphone. Took a bit of a break from the podcast to create the course that we're doing in the Fit Dad lifestyle, the Fit Dad Syndicate. And just to recalibrate a little few things with my family and time and just getting my priorities right and getting my head right to do these kind of things. Um, what I've realized is that we don't ever get our head right, do we? So I basically just have to go again eventually and, and share the journey, which um, I think today's topic, I think most guys will be able to um, kind of uh, identify with. And I think that's it, right? We, we never really get there, no matter how much we read, no matter how much things we do, no how many, many routines we put into place and, uh, Journal entries we write, there's always work to do. And um, so that's what we're here to do. And hopefully you guys that are listening are going to get a lot out of this. I always get a great deal out of uh, talking to you, Josh. So I'm really stoked that you got up five o'clock this morning uh, to be on here with me. So how are you doing? I'm doing really, really well, mate. And I'm excited when you mentioned, uh, let's get back on the mic again. I was like, absolutely. Yes, please. So uh, I'm really happy to be here. And, <clears throat> you know, early mornings aren't the end of the world. Um, so it's happy to happy to be able to go up and start my morning with a great conversation. Not too many guys can say that. So yeah. Yeah. And it, it's funny, you know, like we never get there. I think the only problem when we start to get upset is when we think that that's the point. Right? Like, I'm not there yet. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> you know, and, and, but could it be more cliche? It's the journey, not the destination, but like mm. I've started to, Whenever I feel compelled to say, oh, it's so cliche, I'm like, then listen, because it's probably cliche for a reason. There's probably a reason that people have been saying these things since time immemorial. Um, people way smarter than guys like you and I have been saying it. So maybe there's something to it. But yeah, just progress. Um, not just progress for the sake of progress, but chipping away, chipping away. At, uh, it's like, and, I, and I'm certainly not suggesting that you and I are these fine pieces of art or sculptures, but I've, I've heard, you know, it's the tinkerer, right? It's the person who they, they will create a sculpture, but those artists are always chipping away. They're always like, Oh, I could just, I could just tweak over here. I could just turn it this way a little bit. And maybe that's kind of what it is, right? It's just, it's, it's good if we can get to some semblance of someone who has their shit together, <laughs> but then as life evolves and we evolve, we chip away at it and we just tinker and adjust and carry on. Yeah. I think it's interesting that you should say that because uh, lately I've been playing around with this quote from Tim Grover, actually, where it's like, um, what happens to something that you keep grinding? Cause you know, everyone talks about the grind you got to grind and, 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 and I'm not saying there's not a place for grinding and I love the grind sometimes. Like, so I'll talk about that just now, but he talks about that winners sculpt, so it's quite cool that you just said that. It's like you sculpt, you chip away at it. You don't just come and grind because what happens to something that you grind the whole time is it turns into dust. And I think it's the same as us. We just keep grinding without really looking at our vision, looking at our purpose, looking at how we're showing up um, in all our, our areas of life. And it's quite interesting because I just bought this um, this Garmin watch um, to kind of track a few things. And it really it shows you your stress. It shows you how much, like it even got a thing called body battery and your stress levels. And it really shows you a little bit about balance, I would say. And, and that's another little catchphrase that gets thrown around. And some, on the one hand, everyone's like work-life balance. And then, you know, you know, the guys that are like, you can never have balance because balance doesn't work. But I think that 
I just mean with body balance. I mean with looking after our body. And I think that that's where it starts, right? And I think that even today's topic, we're going to talk a little bit about emotional stability or equanimity um, in the face of challenges with our children specifically is the thing that I'm struggling with at the moment and which is opening my eyes to the fact that I'm definitely not there, Josh. <laughs> you know, I get comfortable and complacent sometimes. And I think that's the thing. It's like you you kind of win the battle and you're sitting back and you're relaxing. And then all of a sudden there's just bombs everywhere. And, and all of a sudden you realize like, oh shit, I've still got to be on my guard. And, you know, I think that that's the thing is, is finding that first of all, that we look after our body properly and, and don't just grind away at ourselves that we end up not being able to show up for our kids and, and end up irritable. I don't know about you, but I find myself pretty irritable when I'm tired the most of the time. If I actually see the times that I'm tired kind of line with the times that I don't deal well with my anger or my emotions. Oh yeah. I've got the Garmin as well. And, um, you know, I'm still investigating whether it's like, I don't want to say legit. I want, I'm, I'm investigating to see what it means because there's a lot of times that according to my watch my battery i'm bonking like i i've i've actually been to the point where i had like an alert on my phone be like essentially was like are you okay like are you dead <laughs> um because i was pushing myself so hard yeah. um especially when i was in in the middle of 75 hard um oh, yeah. when i did that i just found my the battery battery was like sitting at like two <laughs> out of a hundred and but you're <laughs> totally right i mean it's um everything is so there's a couple of things i wouldn't mind touching on everything's a mirror i find and the more frustrated i get with my surroundings it, it's it's just a reminder that there's something not right you know back in in with us there's something off for so for sure like tired cranky frustrated with work whatever of course you're going to be irritable of course you're going to be short with your kids like you have a really kick-ass day at work you come home generally speaking you can put up with a lot you have a tough stressful annoying day at work unless you manage that properly you're probably mm. going to come back home a tyrant um and i appreciate you, you saying what you said because i think there's this people who know us know it's not true but i think there is this perception of like oh you guys have a podcast and you talk about this stuff you guys must have it all dialed in um, and I'll be honest, like as recently as yesterday, I made a commitment to my son, like I will commit to not yelling mm. and he's like, I'll commit to having, uh, to making a better effort at listening to you. That's cool. We just went to, we went to blows last night, not physically, <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Yeah. It, 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 for sure it does. And the other thing with balance, I think there's this, this expectation that balance means like equal parts of things. But if you watch like someone who's like on a slack line, right? And I don't think we're, we're recording this for a video perspective, but like you see someone on a slack line, they're always moving their body. They're always adjusting side to side. They're putting their hands out, their feet out because everything doesn't have equal weight, right? An arm and a leg and a head and a shoulder weigh different things. So we have to adjust our balance mm. because the objective is not, I think, to have equal parts of things. Mm. The objective is not to fall off. So, you know, rather than trying to rail against, you know, work-life balance with this expectation of equal parts, I'm trying to look at it like everything weighs differently on my life. Everything has different levels of joy and frustration and stresses. And I'm always going to keep moving around so that I don't fall off the sort of slack line of life. And that's to me how I'm trying to view balance rather than sort of equal parts of things. Um, you know, and, and yeah, 
you can have a two week vacation after six months of work and it's incredibly restorative. To me, that can be balanced because there's different weight, but it's not like for every day of work, I have to have a day of rest. Mm. Um, so yeah, I've just been really kind of reflecting on this because again, it's one of those um, cliched sentences or sayings like work-life balance. I'm like, okay, well, what does that, what, what might that mean? How could I find that that statement is true rather than just saying, ah, there's no such thing as balance. Maybe we just need to look at balance differently. Do you think that's like the broader view of balance between things? Because obviously the balance between work, life, wife, um, kids, um, sports, and those things, but within the actual arena itself. So within the arena of the body, which is something that I've been focusing on and went for, I said to you before we started the show that I went for like a 12K run and um, I have to fight my ego because my ego wants me to run fast. I always will run up a hill and I've started to, I walked up a hill today because my heart rate monitor said to me, you are not in the aerobic, you're going into anaerobic. And what I want to do to, in, to get endurance, because I do triathlons and stuff, and I want to build up to an half Ironman next year at least, um, I need to build that base of endurance. But my mind always says, you got to go hard, you got to go fast. And so being able to listen to that and walk up hills, like walk on my runs, which I've never done before because it was always kind of a self-pride thing. You know, the ego was like, well, I don't walk. I, I run all the time. And learning that when you get to a hill, obviously your heart rate spikes. And normally I'd kill it up a hill or try kill it up a hill and then at the top be panting and be grateful for the downhill. And today I just took a walk. And so it made me ask the question about balance within an arena. So balance within the body arena. I do think that there is something to that because if I look at, since I've been on holiday for a couple of days, I've been sleeping a bit longer and I can actually notice that my body is responding well to the sleep. And sometimes I can be put the workout and waking up early as a priority because it's kind of mentally tough and it makes me, I like it because it keeps me confident. I wake up in the morning, okay, woken up early, I got my workout, but when it doesn't get the sleep, then I don't see the benefits of that workout or getting up early as much as possible. Then late in the day, I find a slump. And so do you think that there is a possibility of kind of finding balance within areas? So whether it be with our kids to find a balance of, you know, pushing them hard, but at the same time, allowing them to be comforted by us We're, or with our wives, you know, having the relationship where that is balanced within those areas. So that's, that's something that I'm just wondering if, if, because when people talk about balance, I think they talk about different arenas and balancing all these things in their life. But within those things, you need to find a balance as well, I think. Of course, right? I mean, how many times, you know, how many times have we had someone approach, you know, early on in the in the online community that we're part of, um, what was one of the first posts that I commented on was, was a chap that was in there who was saying like, I'm going hard, I'm going hard, I'm going hard. And I, I feel like I should rest, but I don't want to rest and rest is weakness. And, and, you know, I like to do hard things and hard things. And, and I came in and I said, well, I'm going to challenge that buddy. Like if rest is hard for you, yet we say we like to do hard things <laughs> and shouldn't you listen and slow down and face the challenge of resting, taking an off day, listening to your body as you recover from an illness. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, again, if, if we think of balance rather than as opposed to this equal parts of A and B and C and D think of seeking balance as a series of adjustments, constantly adjusting, adjusting so that we can stay on target. So, yeah, I mean, for you, if, if you're, if going pedal to the metal is your default state, 
but all of these cool gadgets that you're buying suggests to you, hey, Tom, the smart people over here think you should walk a little bit. You have to adjust your approach. Yeah. So, so to me, that is balance because you're just simply adjusting your approach to something that allows you to stay up longer, to stay upright, <laughs> you know, to meet your objectives. And mm. if you think of the, if you look at the, um, the old image of like the weights and balances and someone would say, well, okay, well, I've got this, these like nuggets of gold, whatever. And they put it on the weight. They don't find something that's roughly the same size. They find something that's the same weight, but it might be a lot more of it. So it's, it's, it's that equal parts thing. So I think there's this perception of like, well, I run a day that I have to take a day off. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, you're way more the athlete than I am, Tom, but it doesn't Thank necessarily you. have to be equal parts. It just has to be these adjustments to keep us focused on moving forward. And then it's like, we, we have to know where we want to go, right? How do you stay balanced towards an objective if you don't know what your objective is? And that's probably a conversation for another day. But then maybe the one that I think that you and I want to talk about is then also how do you adjust for the crosswinds of life, which sometimes manifest themselves in frustration and anger and some of these other emotions that, that generally as men, we don't always handle as effectively uh, as we could. Those are also things that require adjustment. Mm. But I think a lot of the times when things go wrong, and I was just reading about that yesterday, is that we often let go of the things that actually help to keep us stable and sane when things go wrong. It's like when things go wrong and the shit hits the fan, often we will stop waking up early. We'll stop doing our journal. We'll stop doing a gratitude practice. We might even skip mindfulness practice. We'll also stop skipping the exercise because we'll think like we don't have time. And then it's kind of an it's kind of a paradox because then that ends up being more negative. Whereas if we actually would keep that structure, and I don't know how you find that, but I find that when I play around with my structure a little bit or, or stop the routines and rituals that I have, I definitely notice a negative impact, especially when things aren't going well, because that was the anchor. And that's why I think starting in the morning with that anchor for the day, it's like you have kind of set your intentions for the day. You've done those things that you said you would do. And then you're clearer to think about it. And then obviously through the mindfulness and these things, you're more prepared to deal with the troubles of the day. But I think a lot of people, when things start going wrong, they start letting those things go and say, I don't have time for that. Whereas those four things of getting exercise, doing a mindfulness practice, doing gratitude. And what was the fourth one? Um, Exercise, mindfulness, uh, gratitude. What's the fourth one, Josh? What's the fourth most important thing? <laughs> so you important that I forgot it. <laughs> it's okay. I, so I think, look, I think we all agree that generally speaking, doing things that are harder to do is better for us than taking the easy path. It's that Herculean path, right? You can either take the life of luxury or you can, you can go down this hard path that will challenge you each and every day, but will create the opportunities and will turn you into the man that you want to, that you want to craft yourself into. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the reasons why I'll go back and then I'll kind of back into your, your question is I think one of the reasons why people struggle with down days with resting with, you know, slowing down on the grind is because mm-hmm. I think we are smart enough to know history has suggested that, we kind of suck at things in moderation. And that also includes things like Netflix and food and sleep. 
So there is, it's I the think, fourth one, by the way, the fourth one is sleep. How could I forget that? A good night's sleep. <laughs> Ironically, sleep. But that's yeah. true, right? I mean, that's the main one that we actually give up sometimes when we want to get off the regard. For sure it is. So I think that's the challenge is that I think we intuitively know that there is a good chance that if I stop moving, if I stop grinding, that I'm going to get real comfortable mm. with the, ra- the, 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 the rest, with the relaxing, with the taking it easy. And then all of a sudden, as you said, wow, it's been a month since I've done any of the work that I've done. So I, I do think we should just be very aware of, am I taking the easy path or am I taking the harder path? So because sometimes in our life, the harder path is slowing down, but then we need to be real with ourselves and go, okay, has that hard path of slowing down turned now into a situation where I'm just enjoying comfort and now I'm having a hard time That's good. getting back in that arena again. Mm. And look, and that's, again, it's a series of adjustments and we shouldn't beat ourselves up for it, but you know, one way or the other, man, you don't want to run. You can't run forever. One way or the other, you're going to slow down, whether it's your call or whether it's sort of nature's call to stop you in your tracks. So I think that's probably why people struggle with slowing down and, and finding that counterbalance to the grind is because look, we've all done that. We've all taken a day off that's turned into a month off. <laughs> we just have. But again, it's, it's, so it's just part of listening to us and listening to those emotions and listening to, you know, the, the noise in the back of your head. That's like, dude, you're kind of slacking here. Mm. And we know, right. There's a lot of people that overcomplicate and say, well, how do I know when I've had enough rest? How do I, and I'm like, Fuck, dude, you know, like, you know, listen to your body, listen to when you, if you want to move all the time and your body's saying, stop then maybe you need to stop. Mm. And if you keep thinking it's time to move, but your body's like, no, it's warm in here. Chances are good. You know, the answer to that. Yeah. It's funny. Cause that's what I was thinking about earlier in our conversation is just that, that whole David Goggins kind of like, just go for pedal to the metal the whole time. And then people have that thought to themselves or like, that's weakness speaking to me. You know, that's weakness speaking to me that I need to take a break, that I need to, that I need to um, have some rest and recovery and these kind of things because I shouldn't be doing that. And then you get the other side of things, as you spoke about, when you take the rest on that and you, then you know that you've obviously got to watch for, the, for that, other, that other side of things. But I think that that's which, which by which I mean, like you said, that one day turns into a month, you know, but I think it's knowing, I don't know, man. It's a tough one, man. When I think about it, it's, 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 it is hard to know that unless you are being brutally honest with yourself. I think that that knowing, I mean, you know, know thyself. It's like you need to know yourself and be honest with yourself because you know when you are, like you're saying, you know when you make an excuse, right? You know when you're looking for a way out. And you know when you are pushing hard, even though you shouldn't be, and it's just your ego saying, I, I, I have to do this now. You know, I think, I think it's pretty clear when you need to rest. And, and I am hard like that. And I think Stephen Kotlin, in his latest book, talks about it. He talks about that grit to slow down. It's like some guys need that grit because when it's hard to slow down, like you, you hit, hit the nail on the head there, when it's hard to slow down, that's doing something hard. I mean, you're probably similar to me. I have a trouble just slowing down sometimes. I feel guilty when I sit down and do nothing. I almost feel like time that is not spent on the, the course or time that is spent working out or time that is spent with my kids, which is great. 
or time that is spent on schoolwork. It's like when I'm just sitting there or not reading a book, which, which works really well with my cell phone, because when I'm sitting on my cell phone, that goes to me, Tom, um, you are wasting time. However, isn't it funny that people can sit with their cell phones for an hour because it kind of doesn't feel like nothing. It's almost the cell phone has confused us into feeling like we're doing nothing. And I think that's maybe also this, we could touch on that as well is how much like um, self-help porn are we, are we, are we looking on? You know, it's like basically how much are we reading? How much are we taking in and consuming and feeling like we're doing something? It's like that feeling like we've accomplished something because I'm talking to you about my goals. I think we talked about this the other day. I'm talking about my goals. It's actually happening. Um, I'm reading an exercise book. So now I feel better. I'm reading a, a book about uh, high performance. That's making a difference where it's actually, it's the same kind of thing. It's not really getting results. And I think that's what Tim Grover talks about as well. And, and that really resonated with me is like, Hey man, if you drink, he was saying about basketball players, if you've had a glass of wine the night before and you go on the court and you freaking smash 50 points, then let's look at what drinking a glass of wine means for you. If you hang out and party with your friends and you play the next day and you really suck on the court, then we need to look at that as well. And I think that that's the results of where it comes and, and, and why we've, this has brought me to this conversation is when I start getting angry with my kids and I start to realize that there's butting off heads too much and that I'm irritable and I'm reacting on things that I know aren't that significant in retrospect, then I know that I'm not getting the results that I need. And I think that's quite easy to, to um, uh, identify when you use that as a metric is the results. And I think that we've got to keep an eye on that and be honest with ourselves. What is really happening with the results? You know, what is, how am I showing up with my kids? How am I showing up in an argument with my wife? Am I keeping cool or am I finding myself losing it because I'm too tired and I'm worn out from other things and I'm frustrated from a day at work? So how do I, for me, I'd like to structure a day so that it ends up rewarding my family. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so a few, a few threads that have been weaving their way into my world lately is that progress doesn't happen on the surface. You have to go deep. You have to do that introspection. You know, we talk about Grover again and, and that approach is there is no one size fits all. I mean, he's spoken about yeah. um, doing massive generalizations, but, you know, Kobe was relentless in that he never stopped, right? He, I don't think the guy slept and he had his own, his own motivators. Yet MJ knew when to rest. He knew when to call it a day, like literally a day and, yeah. and to, to get some sleep. Um, and they're both, you know, at the very pinnacle of their game. It, so there isn't one approach. So that's one, one thing that you know, to be mindful of is we, we all have our own needs. We all have, we know when our, our, you know, tank is running on empty, but it's that deeper work of asking, why am I feeling this? Why am I doing this? Why am I saying that? Why am I snapping at my kids? Why it's the deeper stuff, right? So to me, progress doesn't happen at the surface, but so a lot of times it's awareness. And, and with a lot of the clients that I'm working with, a lot of times we're just trying to demystify some of these weird emotions and feelings by just understanding what is it like what's actually happening within my body and why am I allowing that to happen? And then what am I doing with it? It's the other thing, right? So anger, I'm, I'm really fascinated with anger right now. Why? Because I'm someone who experiences anger. <laughs> like I, people don't study stuff because they don't experience it. I mean, they, they just don't. So um, at least I don't. So like anger as I'm learning is 
and particularly, you know, we'll get to in the context of kids, but anger for me is, is one of two things. It's either um, an unmet expectation or a boundary that hasn't been respected. So anger is just an emotion that flares up when mm. I've either had an expectation of an outcome and it hasn't gone my way, or there's a boundary that I've created either overtly or covertly, which was not respected. And that's it. So we've sort of vilified anger, but anger, as we've talked about many, many times, is just an indicator that something's going on. It's what we do with the anger. It's the, do we allow anger to migrate into aggression? Mm. Anger isn't yelling. Aggression is yelling. Anger isn't threatening to take something away from your kids for the umpteenth hundred times and never actually <laughs> doing it. that's aggression. Yeah. You know, and even in, you know, sarcasm is aggression. Passive aggressive is still a form of aggression. Even for me in my relationship, like one of the things is like, I used to get, when I get angry, I get really, really quiet. And I know, well, at least I thought I knew why I did that. But I'm learning that that is also a form of aggression and that I'm with, withholding something from the people that I care about, my energy, my engagement. So we need to start to recognize and not vilify what anger is because a lot of good comes from anger, right? How many civil rights movements spurred people to action because of anger? How many people... Were angry because maybe they were discriminated against in the workplace mm-hmm. or someone told them that they weren't good enough. So they got angry and then they did something constructive with it. So anger can be powerful. I absolutely though find that when I'm not mentally clear, when I'm exhausted mm. when I'm frustrated, when I'm in a, a negative thought pattern, a loop, that's when my capacity to recognize anger is diminished Mm. and that's when my capacity to recognize when i'm sliding into an aggressive mode of conduct is diminished Mm. so exactly as you said our fitness mental physical psychological relationships all of that level of fitness contributes to me at least to a level of clarity and intuitiveness that allows me to go okay your kid's not listening again. You're getting angry. You, you can feel you can feel the reaction in your body, right? You can feel maybe the clenching of your jaw. You can feel the tightness in your chest or your fists. You're getting angry. You're reacting to this. That reaction is you're moving into a potential aggressive. So what do you do? You breathe. But also for me, it's like, okay, why am I upset? <clears throat> there's two things. Like there's a boundary here. I, there's, a, there's an expectation that as the father, I want my children to listen to me. Okay, but do I have an unreasonable expectation of what my seven-year-old is capable of doing? I don't know. Maybe I do. Maybe it's not reasonable to expect my seven-year-old to sit down and just sit and either watch TV or sit down at dinner and have a conversation. Maybe that's not realistic. So I have to kind of go through this like really quick assessment in my head of how much of this is him and how much of this is me. Are the boundaries that I've created as a parent reasonable? Are the expectations something that my children or my spouse or the people around me can even live up to? Or have I created this sort of utopian view of everyone sitting 
quietly around the dinner table. Hello, father. How was your day? It was lovely. I've had a wonderful day. Let's talk about our favorite things. Like, look, it's great. Um, so when I'm on point, I can recognize those things and I can breathe through it and then go, okay, your seven-year-old son or your four-year-old daughter, they're just being knobs. They're just being seven and four. Chill the hell out, bro. Yeah. <laughs> but when I'm exhausted, when I'm frustrated, when I've left work in a way that I'm, I'm not done, I haven't gone through sort of my end of work routine, yeah, yes, yes. slept well and eaten, my senses are dull. And then I overreact. Hmm. But there's a few things there that you said. I mean, number one is is having the wherewithal to have a stronger mind than emotions. I think that's something that I'm working towards is to, to work to that point. So no matter what emotion is welling up within me, my mind's able to go through that gymnastics that you just talked about, where I'm able to rationalize, reasonable, be logical. Because when dealing with kids, they are not. And then when I go into that log- illogical stage of being over-emotional, it's just uh, it's a powder keg. You know, and it just takes a spark and then the next thing it's, it's you know, you, you're regretting it and you think, oh, I could have dealt with that so much better. So it's that, that ability to become mentally strong. I mean, that's why it's good to become mentally tough. You can use things outside. I mean, you know me. I'm, when it comes to physical discomfort in these things, I'm pretty mentally tough. And I want to learn to transfer that to being emotional. And, that, and that's the thing I've been thinking about a lot lately is just being with my pain or whatever you want to call it. I'm going to call it pain because that's it can be anxiety. It's, it's fear. It's, it's, it's kind of a lot of names. And that's why you got to go deep because you need to name those things because then when they come up, you can recognize them. And you talked about Netflix and all these things. I, I reckon that what we do is we, we're not drug addicts maybe or alcoholics, but we do the same thing. We want to soothe that pain. So we don't sit with it and recognize when we come home, we get on the phone and we get the little dopamine hit. So you walk in, you listen to that cool song in the car, you get out the car, you go home, your little daughter like smiles and laughs and now you're feeling great, but you're not self-aware. You're not aware that that underneath there is still that, that pain, that undealt with emotion from work or whatever it might be. It might be masked or covered up by your daughter's smile and hugging you, but that wears off as well. And then you are then just primed to react because you aren't aware of your own self. And I think that that's what yesterday, even I was thinking, Tom, don't do this. Just sit with it. Sit with that thing. Accept that about yourself. Don't always try be happy. I know it sounds kind of counterintuitive. Don't try be happy. Don't try and make things good when they're not good. Allow that thing to be there so that you can be aware of, hang on, I'm coming home now. I'm pissed off about what happened. I'm angry about it. I'm in a space where I could lose it. Let my mind now come in and say, okay, identify you. I see that. Because what a guy was saying that I saw the other day was the awareness isn't angry, right? The awareness of your anger is not angry. The awareness of your sadness is not sad. The awareness of your fear is not fearful. So if you can go there, watch how you are, then you can see that you, because I take it personally, dude. I take it personally when my daughter defies me or does certain things or doesn't take a, a discipline properly. I take it personally and then the ego wells up and then my mind is almost gone. My mind is gone. And I think that I've been masking a lot of the emotion. And I think that us as dads, we and men, we have a trouble with that of just going deep and going, fuck, I'm, I'm sad, man. I'm, I feel pain here. I feel anxious. I'm, I'm scared of whatever, you know, because behind it's all fear, right? <laughs> I think that's, a, I think that is, you know, I appreciate you sharing that because I think that is, you've hit it right on the head. As a society, we are numbing ourselves. Yeah. We numb ourselves with 
Instagram and TikTok, we numb ourselves with porn. We numb ourselves with anger, like not anger, with aggression. We numb ourselves because we don't want to experience the true emotion. And so even things like I'm trying to stay away from the words like over emotional. Emotions are what they are. And I believe truly that emotions are neutral. They're just telling us something's up and you're exactly right. Having the courage to face what you're feeling and sit in it. And then understand, oh, well, I wonder why, mm. right? Like, like we talked about anger, it's essentially boundaries, not respected or expectations unmet. Okay. Well, if I can sit in that anger, I can start to deconstruct it a little bit. And, I, and that, it doesn't need to be this incredibly clinical thing. We feel our way through it, right? It's when we numb it when we distract ourselves from those truths Mm. sadness frustration anger resentment whatever it doesn't go away right sweeping the dirt under the rug doesn't mean the dirt goes away it builds up and builds up and that's why it bubbles into things like aggression or other unhealthy behaviors because it doesn't go away and i i really do believe that the My mind wants to say antidote, but again, that sort of implies something negative, but the path to understanding the emotions and then the path through them so that we can be functional human beings who are more often than not happy, but not all the time is to understand why is to cut through. Why am I feeling these things and to explore them? So to your point, like, why do I feel the need to be, heard and Mm. listened to so deeply by my kids. Hmm. Are there other areas of my life where I'm not feeling heard? Do I have wounds from my childhood that suggest that perhaps I wasn't heard as a child and that my voice didn't carry weight. And now that I have kids, this is my vehicle to finally being heard. You know, we have to do that work because in a very wonderful, beautiful way, our children can be part of our therapy, (laughs) but they're also not our therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Take your shit out through your kids. Mm. And we've all seen it with everything. Like we've seen it with the unrelenting fathers who just never stop planning a day in their children's lives because they never had that and they exhaust their children. I mean, that's a, that's a really, it's a nicer problem to have than someone who yells or hits their children, but it is still a compensating factor. So I think you're right. hundred percent, Tom. And it's, it's why I think men should have therapists. I think it's why men should have groups of men that they can talk about these things and say, you know, like, shit, I'm scared, man. Like I'm, I'm worried about X or I'm, you know, I have a great marriage, but what about this? Or, yeah. You know, are, are we like, I, I don't know about you. Have you ever spoken to a father who's aware of themselves? Who's on this journey? Who hasn't says like, are we totally dropping the ball here? Like, do, do you think I'm creating like how many ways am I screwing my children up? And I think that's a healthy conversation. That's an awareness piece. Um, but we need to be mindful of the numbing and that's really what's going on. And, and not just in the context of, of parenting. And it's like, you read the self-help books and I joked, I did a video the other day, right? Where it's like, it, it's the self-help porn and we've talked about this, but it is, it, it, it numbs us. It soothes us to the, having to actually do the work. 
Um, so being mindful of that and, and any moment that I feel the need to grab my phone or to constantly be doing something instead of just being present, I'm trying to be more aware of what am I avoiding? What am I running away from in this exact moment where I feel the need to scroll through TikTok or check the weather or watch the news and listen to people scream at each other? What am I, what am I avoiding mm. in this moment? And it doesn't have to be a big dramatic thing. Sometimes it's, I'm avoiding being bored. I'm avoiding being alone with my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just, with that bored thing, I think, I think that I would love to be bored. Um, <laughs> personally, when you've got four kids, boredom is a wonderful thing. doesn't happen very often, but I think that it is, we might call it boredom. I, I would encourage people to dig, dive deeper into what boredom feels like, because I think that boredom is discomfort because of not the ability to be content within yourself. Because when I sit down and I feel content within myself, I don't need to go and do something. I can sit there. I can either be mindful or I can read something, or I, mean, I suppose it's doing something as well, but be with myself. I think we don't, we aren't with ourselves enough these days. And I think that that's what, what the cell phone and social media has done, you know, and, and, and it kind of, it kind of devalues contact as well, because we start having less quality interactions with people as well. You know, if I even think about the words, I was thinking about the word, a word that always comes back to me is intentionality. When I start my day the night before and I plan out my day and I'm intentional with what I'm going to do with my time, with my energy and with my emotions, things are so much better. But because the word intentionality, because we see 500 people use the same word over and over again, it loses its like impact. Yet that word is just so amazing. If you can be intentional about the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep, it's not boring at all. It's exciting to have done all those things. And then you look at your day and you go, you do your, your after action review or whatever you want to call it, post-mortem of the day. And you go, oh my word, look what I did with the day. Other days, you just let it run and you're not intentional and you look what you've, then you go the opposite, like, look what I've done with the day. You know, like, what did I do with that day? You know, what happened? What happened that day? And I think that, you know, to wrap it up a little bit here, I mean, what you've said has been, has been excellent and, and, and always just makes me think about, think about myself and how I want to go forward thinking about diving into my wounds. And I think Traver, Trevor Bohm says that, you know, that's where the growth starts, you know, the growth starts when you go into your wound. And I think that that's intentional as well is going, I'm not, I'm not just acknowledging that it's there, but I'm going to dive into that thing because I don't want that to be with me my whole life. And I think 43 and in the Fit Dad Syndicate, the, the group that we've started online and the course that we're doing, the next module after this vision one that you're doing um, is deleting obsolete programming. And it goes and looks at all those things and those wounds and those things we believe about ourselves and the, and the self-defeating you know, the self-defeating ideas that we've developed over, over years that we've been kind of ignoring is to go into those things and, and root them out. Because I, I really believe, and I've said it since the beginning of doing the podcast, is that being a great father is less to do with tips and tricks and about what you do and is more about as men as who we are, you know. And we're never going to be that person that we're capable of being if we don't sort out our shit. And like you said, we can't, you, our kids aren't our therapists, but they definitely are a mirror to to who we are. I mean, once you've got this person who is illogical and has a very strong will and doesn't seem to be able to listen to reason and will talk back to us, um, no matter what, you just go like, whoa, okay, there's my ego. There's my anger problem. There's my fear of losing control, of not having control. There's my fear of, like you said, delving back. Here's my reaction to being disrespected. Why am I doing that? Um, I think it shows us. And that's why I really encourage guys that are listening and, and myself all the time is to do the work, 
it's work. It's not a natural thing. I don't I mean good, good, good on someone who's just a naturally good father and can do all these things. Um, I think I'm, I love my kids a lot. I think I'm a naturally good father when it comes to being active and being involved in their lives. But as far as emotionally and supporting them in the way that they need to become the best that they can be, I fall short and I definitely need to do work every day on that. And that means facing the monsters and, and going to the dark side, you know? Yeah. And, and I think you're right. And I, and I really do believe probably more than I've ever believed anything, to be honest, is that our, our progress as a society and as men, as an individual's, comes from that work is comes from unpacking the stuff from our past that is influencing mm. who we are and how we show up each and every day. But I'm also starting to really understand why people don't do it. And, you know, if I can leave with a few things to those who might go, I, I need to do this work. One, I would say, <clears throat> don't do it alone. Um, I really think mm. a therapist or someone who's trained to help you because if you like, yeah. I don't take washing machines apart because I know I don't know how to put them together. Going back and facing mm. a lot of these demons and these challenges and these wounds, it's like taking the washing machine apart. It can be deeply destructive if you don't know what you're doing. And if you don't have a guide to walk you through how to put it all back together again, it's one thing I would say, please don't do it alone. The other thing I would say, <clears throat> remember that acknowledging that you have wounds, and we all do, it's not an acknowledgement that we are broken. It doesn't mean that we are defective. It means that we are learning the path forward. We understand now the work that needs to be done to walk out of that fog. I know a lot of guys like, oh, I'm not broken. So I don't want like, you don't have to be broken to have wounds. And then the last one for me, which I really struggled with was <clears throat> having wounds doesn't necessarily mean that someone has wronged you in your past. Hmm. As a parent, it's incredible. Like I, I guarantee that my children will be in therapy when they're older <laughs> and everything that I do you know, I've, I've done for them with love. I've, yeah. I've made mistakes and I'm, and, but the reason I say that is because like, I, I grew up in an incredibly loving home. My parents were awesome. And I had more parents than the average family. Like I, my parents divorced and they were really good friends and I had two sets of parents. Mm. So I struggled for the long time with accepting that there were wounds because I didn't want to put some level of blame on my parents for mm. how I was raised. And it's not about that. So yes, there are people who have been abused, who um, have been let down, who have been abandoned. But it's important to also recognize, though, that if you are among the privileged group who did have a really caring and loving upbringing, which I think there's more of them than we like to think. I think you know it's easy to see the people who have had the really tough upbringing, but there's a lot of people who have also just had a really good upbringing. It doesn't mean it's about assigning blame. It doesn't mean that you've been wrong. It just means with good intention, there's some needs that were unmet. Um, and that has left an impression on us. So yeah, don't do it alone. Um, it does not mean that you're broken. Mm. Rather, it is the path forward. And it's okay to explore those things without necessarily assigning a level of guilt uh, or blame on someone. Yeah. Just do the work um, and go deeper. Yeah, 100%. I think just to add on that, one little caveat on that is to not do it alone. Is, is, and to add to that is that... Um, it's not going to be easy. 
and it might look worse at first because that's what I noticed. I noticed like, like you said, progress is not on the surface and it's hard to see sometimes because if you do start delving deep, it starts to, it's emotionally turbulent for you. It can't not be. If you are bringing all those things and diving into them, especially if you try it alone, like, like you said, that was a great point. I think it's important that if you're going to go in there, it's like you don't know what's going to happen if you do do that. And to have someone that can guide you through it is a good idea, but it's not going to be easy because what I found is that finally starting to do that after a long time of just, I kind of denied it. You know what I mean? I kind of didn't want to, especially as a man, I didn't want to admit that there were these, these issues that I needed to deal with. But since dealing with them, it hasn't been feeling like great. It's not like I looked at them and went like, oh, now I feel such relief. I feel, I feel great. It's a process. It's a long, hard process. And it needs, it needs grit. It needs resilience. It needs the understanding. This is going to be hard. And maybe it's even going to look worse on the surface. I don't know if you agree with this, but sometimes it looks worse on the surface because naturally when those things are coming up, you're not feeling as good as you did before. And that can then actually result in you maybe having less patience with your wife and your children for a while and at work, not showing up as you normally do. So I think having a little bit of grace with yourself and understanding this is a hard thing to do and to, and, and, and to not pat yourself on the back, but give yourself a bit of kudos that you're doing that work and that it's hard work helps you then go through it because the worst is opening up Pandora's box and letting it out and then just giving up and stopping because it's too hard. And once it's out, you've got to deal with it otherwise, and you've got to see it through to the end, which I must say is not the most comfortable thing, but that's what it is. It's a lifelong journey to keep doing this. And I don't think anybody will have succeeded until they're on their deathbed. It's a lifelong journey to just trying, trying to deal with those things and to get to the point where you love yourself. I think that's, that's in essence where you look at yourself and you respect and love yourself. Because for me, when I'm, when I'm respecting and loving myself, then what other people do, whether it be my children, my wife, colleagues, or friends, the impact of their words or criticism is so much less when I have respect and love for myself. hundred percent. It, it, it's a hell of a lot of work. Yeah. This is deep. You have to be ready for it, but you know, to, to, to kind of come full circle on our conversation, please do. We started this conversation about be real with yourself. Are you taking the easy path and pretending like it's the hard path? Like the, shoving those feelings, those emotions down deep, ignoring the wounds, ignoring the way that you're showing up in the world with aggression. We might say that that's doing the hard work, right? That's, that's, I don't need to deal with those things. I'm just going to gut through it. I can, I can just push through it. It's actually the easy way through and it's not effective. The hard way, the Herculean path is calling up someone and saying, I need to work through some shit. Mm. It's facing the demons. Mm. And yeah, it's going to take a long time, but you know, to take the analogy to lighten it up a little bit is like, you think the dish, you think the washing machine's not working now, take it apart and have all the bits laying on the floor and then try to wash your clothes. Mm. doesn't work. And it's going to take time to put it back together. But if you leave it, it's eventually just going to explode and, and turn into shit. And I think yeah. that's, and that's the thing about, you know, um, dealing with things now to avoid the disaster down 
down the way because even though it's taking the hard route now and the easy route is just to push it down the actual hard route is seeing in the long term how it ruins your marriage ruins your relationship with your children can ruin you financially and in the end you're sitting there all the looking back at a life of regret instead of a life of leaving a, a wonderful legacy and that's why i think taking the hard route now to save yourself the actual real destruction that comes later is is a definite thing now that's a little bit of heavy note but anyways guys as a first episode we apologize that we got <laughs> we're apologizing right for the first episode being don't apologize so deep <laughs> um and and intense here and um revelate revelatory but i think that that's the point because i want people to get that that without that work you can do all these other wonderful things you can work out every morning you can put all these things in place but if you aren't willing to go deep and and dig into yourself and be willing to do the work it's all going to be end up for the naught you know i think that that's the most important thing that's why i work out is to deal with it and that's why i do the morning routine is to to help me to be in a frame of mind where i can deal with those things better and i think that's why having those things in place those non-negotiables so to speak in your life are very important because it gives you that platform to deal with things a lot better when i feel my morning has gone according to plan when i've planned my day out then doing a bit of an emotional work on that platform works a lot better than do, trying to do emotional work within a hurricane or just a mess. And so that's why for me personally, I like to have things organized. Even my classroom at school, organized, tidy, uh, makes a massive difference for then being able to delve deep and, and doing those other things. So Josh, shot, bro. Um, it's been interesting and thought-provoking and hopefully the guys that listen get something out of this and uh, Start listening to the Fit Dad philosophy more often. Guys, we have listened to the end of this. Um, please check us out on Instagram at Fit Dad Philosophy and also check out the Fit Dad Lifestyle with Leroy. Him and I are doing a course together called the Fit Dad Syndicate. Joshua and I are part of that. We're doing creating crafting a vision this week with Joshua leading the call. But yeah, check us out there and uh, join us if you want to do some work like Joshua says. Thanks, Tom.